0: What's up, Financially Savvy people? Ever wondered what it would be like to have a real candid conversation with your girlfriends or your boys about personal finance? Well, wait no more. On this episode, I bring some of my closest friends and we have for the very first time since we've been friends for over 15, 20 years, we have a real candid conversation about money and personal finance. So stay tuned and enjoy as we talk, love, money. Welcome to Take the Financially old, Better Girl be Podcast. Freedom. This is your girl, Aki, Take and old, I am super excited about this episode. This is I episode 18 go. of the podcast, and we are in season three. Now, remember, you know, if you've been following the podcast for some time now on, I believe it was season one, episode two, I spoke about your money blueprint. And, you know, I spoke about, you know, wanting to have a conversation with girlfriends and just talking about money. Because whoever said that it should be a taboo where we cannot, as girlfriends, Or, you know, friends in general, just sit and have a conversation about money. Well, guys, guess what? Today, we are doing exactly that. I have gathered some of my favorite people on this earth, my girlfriends, friends that I've had for over 15, 20 years, and we are, for the very first time, having a conversation, candid conversation about money. So definitely stay tuned and you will certainly enjoy this episode. Okay, so let me just introduce them. So I do have Grace who is with us. Hi, Grace. How are you? Doing
1: great. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. So happy to have you here. Grace, can you just let us know, what is your money personality? Would you say that you are a saver? Would you say that you're a spender? Would you say that you are an investor?
1: I think it all depends on the seasons. I think if I consider the season that I'm in now, I'm definitely saving and merging more so into the investing route.
0: That is awesome. Uh, now, Alex, if we can turn to you, my dear, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm super good. Thank you so much. So what would you say is your money personality? A spender, a saver, or
2: an investor? I'm definitely a spender. I'm trying to become a saver, but it's been a struggle for years, but I'm a spender. Yeah. Alrighty. So,
0: um, okay. Well, definitely, you know, this is why we have these type of money talks. So super happy to have you here and we can't wait to hear more about your experience, Alex. Uh, what about Pam? Pam, hi, how are you? Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Would you say that you're a spender, Pam, an investor or a saver? I'd
3: say that I am a saver and an investor. I'm definitely a thrifty
0: spender. So I'm a bit of a cheap spender. You're a thrifty spender. Yeah, definitely. I would say that. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so Jess,
4: I see Jess here. Hi, Jess. Hi. So what do you think? What are you? Yeah, so I think I'm definitely a saver, but I was a spender. At some point but now i'm definitely a saver and i would say that i'm a safe investor i love it so you're more of a conservative investor would you agree with that that's it i'm definitely a conservative investor
0: awesome awesome okay i i love it because you know what when we all just sit down and have this conversation we get to know so much more about each other and you know we can really benefit and learn from each other's experience so that's that's awesome and i came- Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Kate, would you say that you're more of a spender, an investor, or a saver? I would
5: say that I was a spender who is now discovering the beauty of saving. I love it. And also uh, discovering the trail of investing. I'm a big spender when it comes to food, but I'm very... I will save in other
0: areas, so it depends,
2: yeah.
5: Yeah, you,
0: you love your food, you love to eat. <laughs> I, I love to eat. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay, so Aziza, would you say that you're more of a saver? Would you say that you're more of an investor? Or would you say that you are a spender?
6: I'm a selective spender. Ooh, selective
0: spender. Okay, you definitely <laughs> will have to elaborate on that one. I love it.
6: <laughs> it's a nice way to say I'm cheap.
0: I'm with you, girl. So you're you're a thrifty spender, just like Pam, right, I guess? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, guys, you have no idea. I'm super happy to have you all on the podcast. And I've been dreaming of the day where we can really have this candid conversation amongst yourself. I can't believe that it has taken us 15, 20 years, but I'm so happy that we're able to have this talk. And hopefully we can have plenty more. And I think that we can really learn and grow from each other's experience. So that's awesome. And I believe that our listeners can also benefit and it's also gonna encourage them to really just have these types of conversations with their friends, their families. And uh, yeah, so super happy. I'm gonna have some questions for each and every one of you. I hope that's okay. I, you know, I think I'm probably gonna start with uh, Pam. Uh, you know, I just kind of want you to picture yourself as a child, you know, uh, because oftentimes we don't realize a lot of our habits, uh, especially when it comes to personal finance, has been influenced with what is it that we heard in our childhood uh, about money? How was it ever discussed in the household or what memory uh, does it trigger when we think about it so our walk or personal our money blueprint before we completely shift our mindset is influenced by our childhood experience so my question to you Pam is as you're picturing yourself as a child what do you recall being your childhood perception of money
3: wow that's a very good question um well I think it's it's too It's two part or uh, twofold. And I think the first impression that I had of money, of course, is that it was limitless as a child, um, kind of growing and not knowing how your parents are, you know, working and, you know, grinding and so forth. You just see the fact that you're comfortable. Uh, I never had the impression that we were lacking of anything. And that usually came from shelter and food and, you know, toys. There was not that impression that there was lack. Um, So for me, money was not even something that was tangible. It was just this limitless thing that could occur. We had just a comfortable uh, life and upbringing, but there was not a concept of what money really represented. And I think shifting and growing up, especially that our family and parents had to immigrate from one place to another, there was definitely a shift in terms of what money represented and what uh, growing in a different environment and having to have parents go back to school and uh, restart a life meant. And so from that perspective, then the money became something that you had to work for and um, something that you had to earn and then you had to be responsible for. So at a very, at an earlier age, I started to have a sense that in order to make money, you'll have to work and to sustain money, you have to save. And I think that perspective came fairly early uh, for me. And one of it has to do with the fact that yes, our parents had to change completely their previous life to a different life and had to overcome so many obstacles in front of our upbringing in our eyes. And the other came from the fact that Um, earlier on as well, I took on jobs that were, um, that had some financial, I guess, education to them. And you worked at a bank at some point, right? I did. Yeah. The concept of saving became very, very apparent to me. Like, and that was when I was 17, 18.
0: So I kind of had this idea that you had to save. If you think about your childhood, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you think about money? And I'm talking like when you were a child, you know, never mind your teenage years.
3: Hmm. First word that comes to mind when I think about money. Yeah, like I, I think for me it would be limitless. Then again, because it was just not something that I was, it was never in the forefront of my mind.
0: Right, because it was never really discussed, right? No, no, absolutely not. But I love what you said. You spoke about you knew from an earlier age that, you know, for you anyways, you associated money to working, to working hard and to also saving, you know, and definitely I believe those things uh, have shaped knowing you. I think it has shaped the way you have conducted yourself with money um, as you grew older and older, uh, for sure. Uh, do you think at all this was influenced by culture? And if so, how?
3: Actually, you know what? I No, I don't think that it was influenced by culture. I think what I actually saw in the culture was the opposite. I saw, you know, more so the spending and the kind of, you know, one-upping. You know what I mean? Like kind of this wanting to show that you had money. And then again, I think really the shift for me was working in a financial institution where I saw that the richest people or people who had millions in their portfolio, portfolios were like saving, they were saving. And that was a huge wake up call for me. And, um, and, and it really did shift my perspective fairly, fairly strongly. I think
0: that's awesome. When your surroundings shifts a little bit and you get more financial literacy exposure um, and you allow your mindset to shift as well, then your walk, your personal finance, that walk and that journey really changes, you know, as you're exposed to people who are doing things uh, that could be beneficial to you. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, What about you, um, Alex, what would you recall being your childhood perception of money?
2: I think for me, it was uh, never discussed. I don't remember not one time talking about money with my parents, any of them. Right. I think it stemmed a lot from my mom having to raise eight children, mostly by herself, because my dad traveled a lot for work. Wow. And I think uh, if I think back on the association of money in my childhood, it was mostly to spend. I think that's where I get my... um, characteristic of a spender in general in my adult years is just that every time I had money me or my siblings will just go and get food and make our own party type thing was never about saving to for any purpose so yeah and I think
0: you know it's hard and you know you saw your mom having to take care of so many children so on her end she's probably Spending because she has eight mouths to feed, right? She exactly. kind of has no choice. So <laughs> you're seeing that, and you're probably growing up as well, seeing that exactly. you know when you have money, you take care of people around. You.
2: Exactly. So I think that's I think exactly that how plays. the mentality I grew up with. Right. That the money yeah. that came in the house were to be um, divided amongst siblings equally. So I, even till today, I have a hard time thinking that I have and my brothers lacking. So. That's kind of my mentality till today. You
0: have a hard time like putting yourself first, right? Like in terms of, you know, telling yourself, okay, I'm going to pay myself first. I'm going to save money. I'm going to do all these things because in your mind, you're used to, hey, you know, I got to take care of mine.
2: Exactly. And my mom wasn't like, my dad was the main breadwinner. So I never really saw the... I saw my mom trying to hustle to get money, but it wasn't on a consistent basis as going to work and stuff like that. So the going to work to get money wasn't necessarily a mentality in my head. Don't get me wrong, she instilled me to go to school to study and be independent, but it wasn't something I witnessed with her until later on when we came to Canada. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, well, thanks so much for sharing that.
2: Um, No problem. Um, What
0: about you, uh, um, specifically for you, how has your childhood perception influenced your current relationship with money? So whatever perception that you had of money when you were younger, how has it influenced your current uh, relationship with money?
2: Um,
5: For me, one thing I realized with age is that I grew up in privilege. Um, I never thought of money. And money kind of you know, I was a kind of child, when you go to high school, every day I get money to buy food. so for me, money was just something that come it's available always, it's there. so I never um so for me, it was not something that I can admire, just like it's 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 like shoes, it's like food, it's just there, it's available at all times um and because it's there, I will easily also spend it because it always come back. Or my parents never allow me to see a moment where money will not be available. And I think that perception as a child and today, uh, good and bad, good in the sense that I am not someone who is um, easily, um, I'm not swayed by money. Um, I'm not someone who gets excited by money. It's more, it's a tool. It's like a car. It's something that you use for something. So I'm not someone who would be admiring you because you're making a lot of money. So it's not for me. It means nothing. It's just, well, it's money. That's really all it is. Um, So in that sense, it's good. Um, It's a tool, but it's also a tool for my future because I I had a way of seeing things out day to day and not future thinking. So you spend the money today, you give it away, but then, Oh, what about tomorrow? Because I mean, eventually you grow up and your parents are no longer the ones just providing for you now to have to do it for yourself. So it just kind of changed, it's, things shifted. So things got a little rough when you start having to take um, care of yourself by
0: yourself. When you have um, to essentially leave the nest, right? And fly away.
5: On your own. It's like, oh, right. hold up. My money is not endless.
0: Oh, hold on! My, money is not so, it doesn't grow on trees, you know? Like,
5: my money has a limit. My
0: right.
5: <laughs> I have to count uh, before I can buy certain things. I have to, oh, okay, I can't just ask my dad, I can't just ask my mom, Um, I can't just ask my uncle, I can't just be like, hey, so... That was um, a rude awakening for me um, because it was, the shift was, 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 was rough because, while well, you need money. Well, you need to work for it. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah.
0: Understanding. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good pers- perspective to share as well because, you know, there's one aspect of growing up lacking or growing up not talking about it because either re- your parents... Um, we're not financially savvy or or whatnot, but it's also another pers- uh, perspective when you grew up um, having, you know, having money or not feeling like there was any lack and being, growing up privileged and then going out in the world, you were privileged. You were not necessarily thought the tools of how to grow that money and then having to learn that on your own. So I think that's um, that's a really good uh, that's a really good point to bring there, uh, Karen. And I think at this point, I'm going to ask Grace and Aziza to answer this two question. I always talk about how you know money is seen as this big taboo. It's almost like there's this underlining rule somewhere. I mean, we should not be talking about money. Like it's this big, big, big taboo and You know, we've been friends, all of us, for so many years, and we talk literally about everything. And it makes no sense that when it came to personal finance, we've never even had a conversation. So, um, Grace, I'm going to ask you this first. Why do you think that, you know, conversation surrounding money Uh, is such a taboo and still is in today's society. In
1: all honesty I personally don't necessarily think that it's a taboo. I think our lack of transparency as individuals has made it a taboo Um, and the reason why I say that I don't necessarily think that it's as taboo as it really is is because the dialogue has been open for years. The dialogue has been you know has had the potential to be addressed, but I just think that it's just, you know, our own human nature to withhold it, um, to withhold information, to withhold our stories. So that's pretty much my perspective when it comes to that. And I think the the reason why we often meet people, uh, whether in our close surroundings or from afar, who refrain from talking about it is because they don't find a safe place. You understand what I mean? Um, It's very hard to find, um, you know, people that can really keep it real with you, no matter, you know, what stage you're at. You, you, you encounter people in life that sometimes, you know, want to show that they have money and, you know, versus people that are probably more, a bit more modest about it. And those those are for different things. And those are things that affect our, our paradigm. And those are also things that may affect why we don't talk about it because people don't necessarily want to tell people their real stories, you know, their, their hardship with money. So that's why personally, I, I don't necessarily think it's as taboo as we make it seem to be. I just think if we, we're willingly a bit more transparent, well, based on whatever, um, you know, the occasion prevails, I think that it would probably create a safer space for us to actually be able to talk about it. I mean, you said at the beginning, you know, we've known each other for years, um, but we've never talked about it. Yeah, that's pretty much my
0: take on that. Right. And, but I do also believe that as a result of that, people's personal finance have remained stagnant or have remained in places you know sort of falling behind when it could have been so much further along if only they had found safe platforms you know like financially savvy girl podcast or whatever it is where they can actually learn grow and improve their personal finance so um, yeah I, I agree with that for sure what about you Aziza what do you think why why do you feel that it's still a taboo? And if so, why?
6: I do feel that it's still a taboo to talk about money in a sense. But I think it depends on the, uh, I think it's a cultural thing as well. Uh, in our community and the way we grew up, some conversation and some, to- some topic are just off limits. And money right. is one of them we can have a general conversation about, oh, yeah, I got a promotion. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, doing XYZ, but we never go into details. And I mean, I grew up that way, and I don't feel comfortable sharing, let's see how much I make, uh, talking about different moves that I make, et cetera. Like when I was, if I had, I made bad decision financially, I don't talk about that. I try to learn on my own or with my parents and move forward and i is it a bad thing maybe but
0: that's something that i that's how i grew up and yeah yeah i do believe it's somewhat culture as well and i do think that you're right when you you say you know uh, there's certain things that you're we kind of people just don't discuss you know stuff like you know talking about money or um, even like talking about their personal, you know, struggles within relationship or, or whatnot. These are things that people really don't discuss out loud. Unfortunately, uh, they do have to find platforms uh, to discuss those and grow and learn and improve because otherwise then, you know, they just remain there um, and don't put themselves in a position where they can really improve their circumstance. But I do agree with you that I think it's somewhat cultural as well. What about you, Jess? You know, speaking of certain things not being discussed, we all know that financial dispute is the number one cause of divorce. And, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely uh, someone who can uh, provide some guidance. You've been married for quite a while. But yes. why do you think that... Um, that is. And what are some of the the questions or conversations that you think couples should have, um, you know, before getting married?
4: Yeah. So as you said, it's definitely an issue. And I think the reason why it's an issue is because people don't talk about it. So you just said, I mean, Grace and uh, Michelle just said that people may not always feel comfortable discussing uh, their finances. And I think uh, one, of, uh, one of the issue is the lack of communication. So people will often talk about how many kids they want, where they wanna live, et cetera, but they won't talk about their finances. So I definitely think that asking questions, uh, setting up goals where they want to, what they want to achieve, where they want to go. Uh, so discussing about the type of their, uh, their financial personalities, uh, et cetera. I think those are questions that people don't ask. This is the first, uh, the first issue, if I can say it that way. And then the other one is the lack of transparency so people forget that when you get married (laughs) you're in this together so it's no longer me 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 it's about the two of you so basically your investments become their investments your debts become become their debts so you have to have a strict a strategy as a couple um, in order for you to be able to to be as transparent as possible and I think so with communication and as much transparency as possible um, it can help for the couple okay. and as-
0: I love that I love that and- it's Aziza I have a
6: question for the group
0: I'm gonna ask you a question yes Aziza you said you had a question
6: Yes, I had a question. I really, really liked what Jessica says and it completely made sense on paper. So my question is, when do you ask, when you're dating someone or getting about to get married or talking about getting married, when do you ask those questions that you listed about what's your credit score?
3: Um, oh, I would like to answer that. Yeah. Yes, girl. That's I I want to I want to an, answer you, that too.
0: You have those oh, Okay, question. okay. Well, let's you have those all at
4: once. Can I answer first that's, since I, I gave answer. the the the, 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 the thing that we
6: just said earlier that some of this conversation are taboo. So I just Yeah, but you're that's about to marry to the, 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 person, the person
0: or you're at least married yes. about it.
6: My answer that taboo I'm saying. is on the table. When do, we, when do we bring these <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I would say that you definitely need to feel comfortable with the person. So once you're comfortable with the person and you see that there is a future, a future in the relationship, then you also need to be comfortable to ask those questions. Because if you see a friction or if you see that you don't have the same goals, then it can lead up to other conversation. Um, so you don't have to be afraid of having those hard conversation at the beginning because you want to have them at the beginning before getting into the relationship or getting married or getting engaged when it's already too late. So preach I would say preach. <laughs> so I would mm-hmm. say it's part of the dating process to ask those tough questions. And it should be after you feel comfortable, after you see that there is a future with that person and you see yourself with that person that person for the rest of your life, then you should definitely ask those questions. I'm gonna piggyback oh, that on that, that one. Yeah. Okay, okay, wait. Oh. Everyone's gonna get to answer that. So
0: Pamela, mm. you so next
3: and yeah no i like i think jess's answer was completely and not just this particular answer but the way when she answered the first question was completely on point
0: definitely. i
3: think the big problem with regards to uh, couple and financial discordance is definitely the lack of transparency um it is not the finances themselves so because if as a couple if you are on the same page and you'd like to accomplish goals you can accomplish them together and especially if you have the same mindset and that comes with communication. But when you have apparently the same mindset, but don't have the disclosure and the honesty behind it, that's where you know, real problems occur. Um, and so my, just piggybacking on what Jed said, I believe that it is an early conversation. Yes, when you're thinking that there is a future with this person. If there is no future, there's no need to have this conversation, but like, what's your credit score? Like, do you have debt? How much debt? What do we do together? Once we are, you know, putting our finances together to bring that debt down, this debt down together, because then it becomes a, a, you know, a complete goal for the couple to move forward, not for the individual.
0: Okay. Well, let me get real, yeah. real, real, real here. Uh, so, oh, Pam, I want to answer it too. When? No, Karen. Before you go in, Pam. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. at what point in your relationship did you have the conversation?
3: I dated my current husband. My current husband, the only one—the
0: <laughs> <laughs> only one that I'm married to. How many do you uh, have?
4: <laughs>
3: how many are you plan to have? Oh Lord,
4: oh, we, we, we won. won.
3: But I dated him for four years prior to marrying him, um, and during the first year was us just dating and get to, getting to know each other. And um, that after that first year, we both knew that we wanted to be together, and we had those conversations. Um we talked about you know how much money like I saved and he saved. We talked about um what debt I had because I was still in school and he was finished school and was working for a couple years. Um so I was accumulating debt as we were dating and he was paying off debt as he was working. So we were on two two different platforms in our financial growth. So we talked about that and then uh close to marriage. Well, we talked about budget for marriage, of course, um, and then how we wanted to pay that off. And and then we talked about how we wanted to pay off debt. Um, and that was our first goal when we got married To was to get rid of debt.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I absolutely agree that it's a conversation that is needed before you can even say, yes, I want to marry this person. I think It's one of those conversations, you know, as you're getting to know each other, that's part of the getting to know each other, being financially naked, as I say it. You know, there's so many ways that we're comfortable getting naked in a relationship. But then when it comes to our finances, we hold it back. And a lot of couples don't know how to get financially naked with each other. And, you know, I just want to sort of uh, touch on what Aziza said before, Uh, when she said it sounds great on paper, because it's true. You know, the reality is, in theory, all this sounds really great, but it's about actually practicing it and getting, uh, having these tough conversations. You know, uh, there's a reason as to why financial infidelity is a big issue. Couples are, you know, one party will be hiding, let's say, a credit card that the other one knows nothing about or debt that the other one knows absolutely nothing about. These are real reality. Uh, You have to try to get on the same page about how to deal with your finances going forward. Is it going to be like joint accounts? Is it going to be, you know, everybody has their own account? These are all conversations to have because if you don't have these conversations, then you get married and you don't know what to do, you know? So I definitely think it's really important uh, everyone has already mentioned some great things about it, but I, I definitely do think, you know, um, this is an issue that couples struggle with and we have to be mindful that it's not as easy as we're making it seem. That's that's for sure. I can give an example. like us, something as simple as, you know, and I had the conversation with my husband pretty early on because when we were dating, I was at the stage of really getting rid of all of my debt and making some great progress on that. So I was not even interested in getting into the relationship without him understanding that was my mindset. And he barely had any debt and he was great in, in investing. So we had to have these conversations. He needed I to be comfortable with what I was coming in with and what I was working on. And we had to get our, our heads together on figuring it out. So it's really important. But something as simple as like even deciding which bank account, you know, once you're married, let's say that you've decided to merge your finances, which bank account do you use? Do you use your account or your bank that you're completely comfortable with and have been using all these years? Or do you use his, his bank, you know, like... Just stuff like that, I know for us, you know, for the first year, we kept on trying to convince one another, like, no, my bank is better because of this and this and that. And the other was like, no, we should use my account because I have this long history and so on and so forth. But we couldn't convince each other. So we just decided one day we're just going to walk into a bank where neither one of us had an account and we just decided to open a joint account there and get rid of the other ones. Just something like that, you know? But anyways, Karen, you also had something to say about this. Uh, what did you have to say about
5: that? Yeah, just to go back also to what Michelle mentioned about, I think also we have to shift what, how we see money. I think one of the reasons why we have difficulty to discuss about money is because of a relationship that we have personally with money. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we mentioned re, uh, earlier about if we stop Shifting our mindset about how we see money. For me personally, the most intimate thing is my body. If I can sleep with you, everything else is not as important, right? So therefore, talking about everything and anything else um, does not, you know, be often we, we see that reverse. We, our body comes first and the rest comes second somehow. And so the shift need to happen personally first. So you can no longer see the money as as something as like that, you have to hold on so dear that you cannot, you know, you cannot discuss. And often that's 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 where it starts. And I really believe that you need to talk about it from the beginning. It's it's not it's not a romantic. It's not something it to do with being romantic. It's just as something as just you know like yeah, how's your uh, how do you spend like, and just also looking at their habits. For me personally, I could not be with someone who was. What's Hadan English? Like stingy? I think Hadan stingy is the most accurate word in English. I I couldn't be with someone like that because for me it was very important that I'm with someone who is generous. Generous doesn't mean that you just slander your money and you give it away without thinking, but generous that you I if I find myself in a position I have to give, you're not gonna start, you know, questioning me left, right, and center. You're not cheap in your ways. I was, I was very stingy. That for me was very important. Yeah. But those discussions needs to happen. It has to be more... Um, once you're comfortable with that, you can be comfortable with the other as well. And often, we are uncomfortable to talk about it because we are
0: uncomfortable
5: with the concept of money. We and are it's itself, not a one-time happened.
0: conversation. You know? No. It could be... A multiple time it starts small and then it just progresses and
5: And then it grows
0: yeah as you're getting more comfortable you know just with the topic you know you have to continue there's always going to be one person in the relationship who's going to be uh, more comfortable to discuss it now that person has a role a big role to play in terms of just providing an environment that is safe for the other one to feel comfortable to be vulnerable right so that's exactly important. so, so yourself, um,
5: start with yourself and then you you will move on but it's important to talk about it before because one thing i find often is that when you get into a relationship or you get into even and you get married is if you you see yourself as what's important for you is to travel all the time but for you is to save for a house just that miscommunication can break a marriage. It's not because you have two goals that is, they're bad goals. They're two good goals, but they're just not on the same level. And those are important to be able to discuss about it. Like for me, this is what's important. What's important are your priority, are not necessarily better or less. It's just that you guys are just on the same level. It's important to know that before you get into it.
0: Yeah. And I always say as a couple, you need to not just have your individual financial goals, but you have to have your couple's financial goals, your one term, your three terms, your long term goals, because a lot of these different things that you want to do if one wants to travel, the other one wants to, I don't know, pay up debt, you know. A lot of these things can be done if you know how to identify what are your short term and long term goals and you can work towards making all these things manageable as long as you're on the same page. So you may not deal with finances uh, together in terms of you know, you're both managing the household finance, because I think if both are managing, you're going to step on each other's stove. There has to be one who kind of takes the lead and understand that they're sort of liable, not sort of, they are actually liable to uh, the other one in terms of, you know, being transparent what they're doing. And the one who's not managing has to also be involved and not just be passive and not asking questions and giving inputs. But at the same time as well, you know, you know sort of dividing and conquer i think works best when it comes to managing finance because two people will not do exactly everything the same way so instead of stepping on each other still it's good to divide uh some of those tasks and get on the same page like that um, i think this is great anyways this this is another conversation uh in itself but uh what would you say ladies giving advice to a younger you what are some of the money mistakes that you made growing up and what would you tell her so picture as i said we're all in our 30s there's no secret here um what would you say to your younger self picture her she's either you know in her early 20s or late teens or even her mid 20s what would you tell her so i'm just going to give a chance for everyone to give an answer it's would you tell her i'm going to start with you grace what would you tell your younger self
1: what would i say i'd say many things but maybe one of the things i'd say um ask for help that's what i would say i think in my 20s i was extremely zealous um i had a lot of knowledge and uh had a lot of ambition but I think in order to maximize and to manage effectively um, the multiplication of money and seize these opportunities, I would have maybe asked for help.
0: Okay, I love that. Ask for help, definitely. Uh, what about you, Jess? What would you uh, say to your younger self?
4: I would just say, be smart, uh, be smart, listen to other people's advices. And uh, try not to be too um, compulsive. Compulsive, yeah. Yeah, Compulsive. Uh, Take your time to make a decision. And yeah, that's what I would say.
0: And I know that you also had uh, something that you wanted to add on that last topic.
4: Yes, I'm so sorry. So I wanted to add that. Uh, so we talked about communication. We talked about transparency. But as uh, Karen and, and Achilles mentioned, it's a different story to make it into action. So then you need a plan. And the plan is you need to know the other person person the other person's personality, if yeah. I can say it that way. And uh, because people don't have the same attitude towards money. Um, so even if you have, as I think Karen mentioned, if you even if you have the same goal uh people may want to achieve those goals differently so you actually need to to take the time at some point it doesn't need to be right at the beginning but you actually just need to take the time at some point to decide how you guys want to achieve your goals and also for me personally um when i was when it was the time to actually you know do things and implement, if, if I can say that way, our plan, uh, I was a little bit scared of losing my financial freedom. Yes. Um, so it's very important for you to feel comfortable during the process in this is that you need to find a balance that's right for you and for your couple. There is no perfect, uh, or ultimate, if I can say, uh, vision or, um, objective you just need to find the right balance with your couple so that's just what i wanted to add so find your communication be transparent but then you need to you know action (laughs) and once you action just find the right balance for your couple and it will be an ongoing process it's not set in stone because life changes all the time so you also need to be flexible and move with life
0: absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Okay, Aziza, what about you? What advice would you give to your younger self?
4: Um, first,
6: I want to say thank you, ladies, for answering my questions. You guys are really, really smart. So, uh, so to the next point, my younger self, I will tell her: don't overspend, and don't oversave either. Enjoy your twenties. You're making enough money for you to travel, to live your life. But don't stress yourself about the
0: future, or you will be fine. Okay. But plan for it accordingly, right? Yes. Definitely. I'm
6: saying don't overspend, obviously, but don't oversave either to the point that you're stressing yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. What about you, um, Alex? What would you tell your younger self?
2: I think I would tell my younger self, it's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to think about you as an individual and not just you as part of a family trying to help everybody to your own detriment. It's okay to save and make your own financial situation better, to put yourself in a better situation so that you can better help the people around you and don't feel... uh, What's the word? Don't feel, um, Don't feel guilty. There you go. Don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Because it, it's okay to be selfish. That's all.
0: And as you're building, you know, as you take the time to just build, you're going to be in a better position to be of help. Exactly. Like that. Okay. What about you, uh, Kay? What would you say? Karen?
5: Yeah, sorry, it's on mute. Um, I would say to my younger self um, to take advantage of the resources that you have right now and be conscious that those resources are not infinite and um, save and save and save again um, and save some more. And you don't even have to save the 100%. Even just saving 50% is already setting you up um, way more than what you could be. Um, so, yeah. So, take
0: advantage of what you have. Okay. Hey, what about you, Grace? What would you tell your younger self?
1: Well, I'll just add on to what I already said. I think, um, I think also don't try to do it by yourself. And uh, make sure that you're held accountable. Like I was saying earlier, I think. For me in my twenties, I, I was extremely zealous. I, I had a lot of information, but because I was very independent, there's a lot of things that I wanted to do all by myself. So I think that um, if I would have sought out or been a bit more intentional with being held accountable with certain things or tried not to do everything by myself, it would have been a good strategy.
2: Yeah. What about you, Ken?
3: Yeah. But, I mean, thank you everyone. It's, I, I, I really liked everyone's answer. Um, I think I would have told my younger self to internalize less, um, to be more open with regards to discussing, you know, finances and many, many other things with the people that I, you know, care about, love and, and, um, and in order to exactly do that, to grow and to learn from them and to disseminate information that I may have had um, and also not to stress so much about the future. I, Not that I'm a... I'm not, I've never been a big worrier, but I certainly have at times missed to just live in the moment because I was thinking about the next step. And so taking that that time to live in the moment is what I would say to my my younger self.
0: I love it. Love it so much, lady. I would say to my younger self um, so much, but um, just to narrow it down, I would tell her um, it's okay to not know everything and it's needed to uh, learn more and seek help. You are never lesser for wanting to know more about personal finance. And I would tell her to um, invest young because there's true power in compound interest. And I will definitely tell her that while she can enjoy living in the moment, Uh, Don't lose sight of the beauty of saving for the future. So, lastly, ladies, I always ask this question to any guest who comes on the podcast. If you had to put in terms of order wealth, Love and power. What would be your priority? Why? Well, that's a good question, to be honest. You answer and you give a bit of an, a reason. Karen, can you answer? Okay,
5: <laughs> okay um, I would put wealth, love, power um but personally i kind of find that they all kind of interrelated so it's it's the whole putting them into uh hierarchy I heard. I heard. Well. <laughs> it's uh because their wealth because the way I define wealth is the um is to to be in uh, in contentment and to be in a level of not necessarily an abundance of 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 money um but just to be content to have enough for yourself enough for uh my family enough for my neighbor um and that level you know it, there's there's not really a um um an amount attached to it, but I haven't really attached an amount to it, and also f- especially enough. For the generation to come
0: yes jess can you answer so love power wealth.
4: yes so i would say that my order is uh love then wealth and then power because i think that we um the, the the perfect love there's no perfect love with the right love <laughs> you can get to wealth and then power that's awesome.
0: it awesome what about you um uh alex
2: I think for me, it'll be a little bit the same for, uh, as uh, Jess just said. So um, love, wealth, and power. I've never really cared much for power. Uh, And I love love, and money is good to have, so that's why. Yeah, same for power.
4: I don't really mind having power. No. Thank you, Jess.
0: What about you, Pam? What would you say?
3: Yeah, no, I do agree. I am love wealth and power. Uh, last uh, I and by love I mean like it's not the emotional aspect of love it's really that bond and respect and just a mutual understanding with your partner and of course uh, with that I agree that you can you can do anything when you are in force with somebody who is you know who is behind you beside you you know in front of you and and you guys can work together I think that you can establish wealth and with that you can have power but certainly those two Bef- those two alone will not make me happy.
0: Which two alone? Uh, the wealth and power. Okay. Awesome. So love, wealth, and power for a lot of the ladies, Karen put it in wealth, love, and power. And as I am going to ask you a different question, if that's okay. Uh, maybe you can close this off. We are, as I said, all in our thirties, 10 years from now, where do you hope to be in your personal?
6: Hmm. Uh, 10 years from now, I'll say my main goal is to have more than one source of income. Uh, Because I have to admit, going through this pandemic, did put a lot of stuff into perspective when it comes to my financial situation.
0: Right.
6: Yes, I was one of the lucky ones who was able to keep her job. But I can only imagine what would have been my situation if I lost my main source of income. Right. My life are already there. Yeah. So it did put a lot of stuff into perspective. So, for 10 years from now, I'm hoping, as I said, having more than one source of income. And the main one that I had, so far, I'm, I'm planning to, is to have an investment property, something that is an essential service as well, just to diversify the portfolio. That's my long term
0: uh, goal. Awesome. Uh, I love that. And Grace, my dear, uh, I'm gonna ask you the same question as well. If, you know, 10 years from now, where do you see yourself in your personal finance journey? I
1: see myself wealthy.
0: Love
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> <You're incredible. laughs> Not many words, Grace. Love it, I love it. Love
0: it, Grace. <laughs> so, um, here you have it, ladies. Um thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being vulnerable on this podcast episode. And I'm sure a lot of people will grow and benefit from this. So thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time.
2: Thank you, Aki. Thank thanks for bye. like yeah, thanks for Take opening
0: care. this opportunity. Have a good one. Right. till next time. Bye yeah. bye. Tell them I'm of your future <laughs> with
4: the financial
0: sound. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at financially underscore savvy girl. And make sure to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time, remain financially savvy.